All right, so what I'm going to do is give you guys an opportunity to see something, to the best of my understanding, has not been released on Hope Channel yet. Um, we have supplied, we created a program called Animal Encounters, and um, it's something that we have shot. The first season was in Africa. Uh, they had, like, lions and all kinds of other stuff. The second season is in Costa Rica, so they got, like, tropical animals, they got toucans and butterflies and colorful frogs and all kinds of stuff. So what I'm going to do is show you um, an example of one of the programs we've made and then a couple of episodes of Icky Free Kids just to kind of give a feel for what we're looking to do. ARTV is looking to create content that's missional, that's outward facing, that isn't just entertainment for the saints, right? Something that would kind of get people's attention, meeting them where they are, right? Even entertaining other worldviews but injecting our worldview into theirs, right, and kind of drawing them in, sharing the health message as a bridge, using nature programming as a bridge, and pulling them into an ecosystem, a, a, a platform that has missional content on it, right, devotionals and other things. So I'm just going to give you some examples of some missional content uh, that we've made at Unseen Media Group and also for ARTV just to get a feel for it, um, of resources that exist in your own movement, right? So we're just going to watch the first half of this, of uh, episode three of Animal Encounters season two. Uh, so let's begin with a word of prayer, and then I'll show you this. It'll be like 15 minutes, and then we'll go into some other stuff. God in heaven, thank you again for a delicious meal, for the fellowship, uh, for how you're working providentially in all of our lives. And I just pray, Lord, by what we see and learn here today, that we would better be acquainted with resources that the Adventist Church is creating and the Adventist ministries are creating in finishing this work. Uh, because even if we aren't ones that can create this content, we can share it. And so just help us in understanding these things. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, I think my speakers are working. Yes? You can't see anything, can you? Ha, 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 ha. Just kidding. Um, how do I? I think I do this. Boom. All right. So confused. What are you doing here? Here we go. Rainforests produce 20% of the oxygen we breathe on our planet. And 80% of the foods we eat originally came from rainforests. It's no wonder that humans are slowly but steadily realizing the need for drastic reforestation efforts before one of the world's greatest resources disappears. Rainforests are in need of human help, but there is a bird that has been doing its part to plant new trees long before we were, albeit in a messy way. Gubby, Kassler and Caro are on their way to meet the magnificent toucan and learn about its intelligence and important role in the ecosystem. Oh, look at his eyes. I couldn't believe it. Later, they enter a miniature rainforest and come face to face with the animal Kassler fears the most. <laughs> Look! You have one? Oh, oh, there. oh, it's hiding. Oh, it's hiding. It's awake. <laughs> it's been a few years since we've traveled together. There's still so much yet to be discovered. Human beings can be 
animals. When you have the opportunity to look into their eyes, to know their stories. Animals that are rescued here can be released into the wild again, where they're really meant to live. I hope people get inspired and treat animals with more care and respect. So I'm like totally dependent upon the internet for this. <laughs> I found a flaw in my plan. Uh, I can do one from my computer, or from my phone, I should say. Hmm. That's true, but not everyone's using D's iPhone. All right. Come back, would you? Ha! Unlimited data. <laughs> have you ever wondered what it's like to be a wildlife photographer? To have the chance to take in all the magnificent and even bizarre personalities of nature without harming it or affecting its habitat? That's exactly what Henry Stover, one of our animal encounters photographers, gets to do every day. There really is no way to describe the exact feeling I have to be able to go out in nature. The animal kingdom has such an amazing effect on my life. It's that same fascination with animals that drives some people to capture and keep exotic animals as pets. Too often, it leads to animal abuse, suffering, and the threat of extinction. So how can humans enjoy getting close to wildlife without hurting it? La Paz Waterfall Gardens hopes to offer visitors one possible solution by introducing them to their rescue toucans. Here, visitors can meet, observe, and even feed toucans in the spacious aviary these birds call home. That's exactly what our three adventurers, Gubby, Kustler, and Kara, have come to do today. What's the name of the Worldwide, there are 40 different species of toucans, and Costa Rica is home to six of them. These beautiful birds come in a wide variety of sizes and colors. They all possess large intimidating beaks, which are actually very lightweight and filled with air pockets. When it gets very hot, toucans have the ability to allow more blood to circulate through their beak in order to cool it down. What, what, do you, what do you feed them? What, what I do they feed eat? these animals mice, uh -huh. sometimes little ones, pinky mice, mice. and also, yeah, I like, know they the little eat. ones, pinky, right? They eat meat, <laughs> they eat insects. I thought they're vegetarians. They are omnivorous, they eat 
fruits and also they eat uh, uh, meat. Okay. Yeah. They eat insects. They catch the insects from the bromelias. They put the tongues inside the bromelias, catch one or two froggies or little worms or something like that. Okay. Yeah, and they catch it and eat it. Oh. So they have a long tongue? Yeah, they have a long tongue. It's like a feather. It's like a very, very thin feather. Because of the way they eat, toucans are one of the great seed dispersers of the rainforest. These birds eat by tossing food up in the air and catching it in their beaks. It's a messy and funny process because toucans don't always catch what they throw. Their loss is a blessing to the forest as they drop fruit containing seeds everywhere. When toucans do catch their food, they catch it in the back of their throat and gulp it down. This means that they swallow many seeds whole, including larger seeds that most birds can't. The fruit gets digested, but the seeds come out whole and ready to grow. Smithsonian scientists studying the movements of toucans use GPS trackers to find out just how far these seeds go. They discovered that, since toucans are such energetic birds, they can drop the seeds up to 200 meters from the host tree. And I recall seeing smaller ones, the smaller ones, maybe you saw the green ones, right? You saw maybe the green ones or the colorful ones, little ones. Mm -hmm. Those are aracaris, are other species toucans. Yeah. With different names, Because I, I can't remember in my, in my life seeing so big, maybe because yeah. I used to see so far away and was yeah. just a glimpse and disappear, gone. But you, you didn't catch them from the wild, right? No. The animals here, whole animals in this yeah. part, are confiscated by the Costa Rican government and they bring the animals to here, give you us, and we take care of the animals for the rest mm -hmm. of their life. We never release one of those animals in the wild because they don't know how to survive. They mm -hmm. die. Mm -hmm. We try to raise the animals here in captivity, mm -hmm. but most of the animals here are males. That's oh, the problem. Not, males are more colorful. The illegal pet trade favors males of many species because they are often more colorful, or in the case of toucans, more vocal. Of course, these sounds and colors aren't merely for human enjoyment. Toucans and many other animals use sound and color to warn each other of danger and to attract suitable mates. Toucans like to flock in groups of five or six and build their nests in tree holes left behind by other animals. Their small wings don't allow them to fly very far, so toucans prefer hopping along from branch to branch. How old is he? Okay, him is six years old, okay. right? And the pencil of the toucans here, some are very old, and all the ones are very young. See? And it's your turn, right? Yeah, you know that? Like this? Just, yeah, just like that. Okay. He wants to cheat. He's quite heavy. Yeah. yeah. Very heavy. Eat a lot yeah. of food. Yeah. Well taken care of. Eat a lot of food. He's like a I have mixed feelings about this. We've done research so we know these toucans have been rescued from the pet trade and cannot be released back into the wild because of their previous contact with humans. So it is nice that we have the chance to get so close and see the toucan personality here at La Paz. 
On the other hand, I wouldn't want someone to see me holding a toucan and think that they make a great pet. They are beautiful, but also messy and loud, and they need a lot of space to fly around. What they have here at La Paz would be impossible in someone's backyard. So I'm very happy I got the chance here to watch them so close. How nice it must have been in the Garden of Eden when humans interacted with toucans without hurting them. So why do they have like like their their beak is is kind of like a zigzag in the? Sometimes they pull the 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 peels mm -hmm. between the branches and they move back and forth like this because they need to chirpen uh -huh. peels the chirpening peels yeah. Yeah. with the with the branches mm -hmm. and. Can I touch him? Uh, yeah, do it. Very gently. Uh, look at his eyes. I couldn't believe it. Amazing. Do you know how long they live? No. The no. Around 15 years. 15? One Wow. Oh, yeah. So yeah. short life to be so stunningly beautiful. Mm. Look at the blue legs. I think it's the most beautiful bird I've ever seen, ever. Uh, this is such a special moment. I wouldn't have expected it. it um, I think it was the eyes that really got me. So beautiful. And the feathers, it just moved right to my heart. I don't know why. And I just think, how much fun God must have had to create There's animals, birds like that, with so many different colors and different shapes. It's just very inspiring. When I was coming with the girls, I was the most excited about just to see a token. Growing up, I never saw a token too close maybe very far from the tree, then you look and you say, I think it's a toucan. Then it's gone. So I saw in the pictures that we would could be able to see it close. Then I managed to see it close. And it was special. In that moment, I, I told myself, I could even go home now. <laughs> All right, so that's just kind of a preview of some of the programming. It's produced in a way that's professional. You would think you're watching, you know, some other, like, Discovery Channel or something else. But they, they have this pleasant Christian intermingling within it that's not oppressive, right? It's not in-your-face religious, but there is this kind of pleasant um, spiritual, you know, lessons that are laced throughout it that's kind of intentional in that sense. Um, so anyway, the episodes are about 25 minutes long. So there's a program that they had made. How many people have ever seen a program by Rico Hill and Jared Thurman called From Sickness to Health on 3ABN on the Dare to Dream Network? It's got the blue guy in it. So they made that program first, and Jared is all painted in blue. I know that they did a chat training in this area a couple years ago. Um, they run the ministry called the Beehive, the health ministry. So 
in that program from Sickness to Health, which we also have licensed on ARTV, it's more like a talk program. They bring in Dr. Thomas Jackson and other physicians and stuff to talk about health issues. But Jared is painted blue, and he's kind of personifying sickness. And what he does is basically give the exact opposite of good counsel for health. Eating health, that sounds boring, right? That sounds disgusting. And so what they did for ARTV is we designed a program called Icky Free Kids that's for children that ends up, Jared is basically taking over a, a charter school, an elementary school. He runs the Blue Corporation. And the Blue Corporation is giving large donations to this school. But in turn, he says, I want to change the school lunch program. I want to change the PE program. And I want to teach the health classes or whatever. And what he ends up doing is teaching a whole bunch of wrong health principles to the kids, and the kids respond by giving the health message. So it's kind of this um, lighthearted way and kind of a, you know, a comedic way of getting genuine health products and, or health um, principles into the hands of people, and it's, it's done really, really, really well. People have really liked it. So let me see here which ones we'll do. Uh, we'll do this one. Guess who? Sickness, that's right. Guess where? Back at your kid's school. <laughs> Just joking. I'm actually a nice guy. Hey kids, today we're going to talk about none other than candy. Who likes candy? Raise your It's a known fact that kids like candy, and it's my favorite method of gaining their trust. Hey, little girl, would you like some candy? Sure. What flavor would you like? All of them have monosodium glutamate, polyurethane, and artificial coloring like red, green, and blue dye number 42. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> Basically a female version of me. 
<laughs> now, all that stuff you just said is not true. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Uh-huh. I read it on the internet. The internet. Ten years ago, I didn't have this problem. You can tell kids to eat whatever you want, but now they get all their information from the internet. Thanks, Al Gore. Al who? Al who? He did what? Al Go is a person? I don't know him. He didn't create the internet. I think Zuckerberg created it. <laughs> oh, Now, how about you and I have a little truce? No more facts or big words. I'm trying to impress the kids. Oh, what's this? What's this? Ten dollars. Is this ten dollars? Are you trying to bribe me, mister? Would it help if I was? Uh-uh. Then I'm not. Now go sit back. <laughs> Can you believe that, kid? Can you believe that, kid? I think kids need to be more aware of what they're eating, and some parents too. The truth of the matter is, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Food is good, but you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Well, that's just silly. That would mean if I eat candy, then I'm a candy? Duh. Yeah, right. Huh. What? So they're short, shareable videos um, giving health principles, but also kind of providing some form of entertainment value. Uh, uh, they're all good. I'm just tempted to have us watch all of them. Um, we'll do this one. Anyway, ARTVnow.com is where you can see all this. We're having iOS apps. should be coming out before too long. There is one now, but we're working on updating all of that. It should be done here rather soon. Another day, another class. Another opportunity to corrupt kids' minds. Who did that? Who did that? Sicky icky. <coughs> Funny, huh? Running a school can be difficult, particularly when you have to cater to others. Sometimes get what you want. <laughs> so, Mr. Blue, hey, what did Blue do for you? <laughs> well, we know the Blue Corporation is very generous, and we're well, we're looking for donations to uh, renovate our gym. Ah, that's interesting. I don't like fruits and veggies in the school lunch program, so how about we swap those out for some hot dogs, cold cuts, bologna, all processed foods, but those have little nutritional value. And? <laughs> what was that you were saying about a new gym? Uh, 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 yeah, let's get that taken care of as soon as possible. <sighs> We can do that, right? <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Okay, kids. Today we're going to talk about the harmful effects 
of fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are harmful. Yeah, fruit and vegetables are harmful. Oh, they're very harmful to your tongue and taste buds. Yuck, yucky. <laughs> Who prefers the yummy stuff like hot dogs? I like hot dogs. Cold cuts, bologna. Yay, raise your hand. They've got like 10 episodes of that, so feel free to indoctrinate your neighbors with hilarious health principle-filled programming. 
give me one moment here. Um, who knows what the internet's up to these days? So these are some of the devotionals that we've made. Um, it doesn't seem media group. This is one that released last week. Another one was released yesterday. I, had I known about this video yesterday, I would have shown it last night after the message, but I didn't. But this is one they made a week ago called Piles of Dirt. Just to get some ideas, I'll give you a couple more here, and then we'll um, also make some time for some questions. We all have dirt in our lives. Things from our past. Things we don't want other people to know about. Things that are shameful. There are so many different kinds of dirt. We're very careful not to let our dirt show through to others. But what happens when somebody finds out that even though we look okay on the outside, we're actually a mess? And how do we handle when we see the dirt on other people? In the Bible, there's a story of a woman who is caught in the act of sexual sin. In John 8, a group of people take her and drag her over to the place where Jesus is teaching and throw her at his feet. Game over. Her dirt is exposed. She's just been thrown and fallen into a pit of humiliating shame, and she's about to receive the consequences of her actions. Death by stoning. When they press Jesus, asking, what do you say we do with this sin? Jesus pretends to ignore them. Instead of responding, he stoops down and begins writing with his finger in the dirt. What was he writing? We don't know exactly, but we do know that when her accusers saw it, they suddenly lost the confidence that they originally came there Wouldn't it be ironic if Jesus used the dirt to reveal to these men the dirt that they had in their own lives? And he didn't do it in an accusatory or an embarrassing way. He silently convicted them and then gave the simple statement, He who is without sin cast the first stone. It's so different from the way we handle our own What if Instead of letting it drag us down and frighten us into a corner, we ran to the feet of Jesus and let him silence our accusers. What if we could also be like Jesus and not be afraid to embrace others, even when they're still covered in dirt? We serve a God who already knows our deepest, dirtiest secrets, and yet he still loves us. We serve a God who doesn't push us aside just because we're covered in dirt, but he actually brings us closer when we sin. As long as we're not the ones that are trying to clean ourselves up and, and cover our sins, God will always be there to receive us. He will be our defender.
So any there's other resources that we've created as far as cinematic e-devotionals. Um, this is Taj's YouTube channel, and this is the one they just released that my I was mentioning my best friend Mark Payton released. There are good resources being created by Seventh-day Adventists. I hope you're starting to recognize this, that it's not... The Mormons... Are, are lapping us in infrastructure and so forth. But there are good resources being created, but some of us just don't know. So Unseen Media Group is one. ARTV is one. Little Light Studios is another um, with their new resources. And then Taj, this is an amazing video if you haven't seen this. Powerful story, too. Perhaps one of the hardest commands ever imposed upon mortal man is the injunction of Christ who said, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now this doesn't come naturally to the sinful heart. Naturally our hearts are bent towards self-love and self-preservation. Naturally hatred and vengeance is our first reaction to those who mistreat us and those who seek to do us harm. Love and forgiveness is usually not our first response. So how can we live up to this high standard of unconditional love that is set before us? Where exactly do we find this strength to love like this? And where is its source? It was about eight months ago when I first met our new neighbor, Jonathan. He's a homeless man with major mental issues that decided to squat in this abandoned house next to ours. My first encounter with him happened at 2 o'clock in the morning. My grandma woke me up to inform me that some crazy guy had smashed the back of my car windshield. He wasn't trying to steal. He only wanted to destroy. The cops came to arrest him and took him to the mental hospital. What a terrible inconvenience. Can you imagine that? Rudely awakened in the middle of the night, then having to spend the next two hours cleaning my car of all the shattered glass before I was able to go back to sleep, then had to pay $498 out-of-pocket repair, because it was just under the $500 insurance deductible, then waiting for hours for the repair, terrible customer service at Hawaii Subaru, and the list goes on. But that's not the end of it. My next encounter with Jonathan happened several months later when he decided to burn down this abandoned house that he was squatting in. Thankfully, the firemen came and put out the fire and the cops came to arrest him again. But it didn't stop there. About a month ago, Jonathan was successful in burning down this abandoned car on our street. He's been arrested over and over again, but each time he's let go because of his mental instability. Now, you would think that the authorities could do better in keeping our community safe from a known arsonist who has a violent past, especially when there's so many children that live on our street. Somebody dropped the ball big time on this one, but that's another discussion for another time. But here's my struggle, and maybe you can relate. How do I love a neighbor that seeks to harm me? How do I bless someone that seeks to hurt me? Where does this unconditional love come from? And how do I experience it practically in my day-to-day life? The last time I saw Jonathan was just a few days ago, after he was arrested for starting another fire in the early hours of the morning. This time the fire not only burned down the house that he was squatting in, but the flames also spread to our own home, causing hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage and a bunch of wasted time. Now, thankfully, we all got out and no one was seriously injured. But now our family has to completely move out of our home 
we have to find a, another place to live for the next six to 12 months. And now we have to spend time that we don't have to rebuild our damaged home. To say that this was another terrible inconvenience is a gross understatement. Far more was at stake than our physical possessions. For if we had slept just five minutes longer, we could have very well have lost our lives. And worst of all, this tragedy was completely preventable if our leaders and representatives would have done something sooner. So what do we do now? My natural self wants to be filled with anger and frustration, especially when I see the damage it's done to my home and the hurt it's caused to my family. My natural self wants to complain and be upset, not only with Jonathan, but with the city, the state, the bank that owns this abandoned home, the hospital officials, all those who seem to do absolutely nothing to prevent his dangerous actions. But then I think of the words of Jesus. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Here's the command of Christ. But the next part is the promise of power to fulfill the command. Because Jesus continued to say, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends his rain on the just and the unjust. You see, beloved, the power to love your neighbor as well as your enemy is found in remembering that this is exactly how God has treated us. He sends his sunshine and his rain both on the righteous and the wicked. He loves all of us the same, for his love is unconditional and his love is infinite. Friends, we can only love others because Jesus has first loved us. I begin to realize that what Jonathan has done to us, I have done the same to Jesus. By my foolish choices and actions, I have caused God so much pain. For it was my sins that nailed him to the cross. It was my foolishness that brought him agonizing pain and embarrassing shame. I was the cause of his suffering. I was the cause of his pain. And yet this same Christ was still able to look upon me with eyes of infinite love. While I was yet living in my disobedience, crucifying him afresh by my sins, he was able to look upon me in compassion and pity. Even when I held the hammer in my hands, getting ready to nail him to the cross, Jesus looked upon me in love and he prayed for me. He said, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And by the power of his love, Jesus extended mercy to me. He loved me even when I hated him. He gave to me not what I deserved, which was death. He gave me that which I needed, which was amazing grace, marvelous mercy, and eternal life. Thank you, Lord. When I think about what my Lord has done for me, how can I do anything less for others? How can I withhold forgiveness from someone who's wronged me when Jesus has forgiven me so freely and yet I've done far worse to him? As I swept up the broken glass on the ground months ago and as I sweep up the charred wood and the toxic ashes of my home today, God is also sweeping up the anger and frustration from my heart. By focusing on the cross, I'm finding supernatural strength and power to love. And what a precious lesson God has been teaching me. But it's the same lesson he's teaching all of us today. My friend, is there someone that needs your forgiveness? Someone that hurt you, that needs your grace? What God has done for you, you can do for others. Just open your heart and let God pour out his love in you and through you. 
allow him to make you a channel of healing love to someone today. And remember that when your life is shattered like glass and your hopes are reduced to ash, God is always there to clean up the mess and to remove all the stress. Now, we may not be able to trust presidents and politicians and the police and even pastors to fix our problems. But there is a God that we can trust to keep us strong in the most trying and difficult hour. And so never forget that heaven's blessings will always outweigh life's difficulties. Because no matter how hard or hot it gets, we are blessed more than we deserve. And we're surely blessed more than we realize. So when you're tempted to be discouraged and complain about your situation, first count your blessings and recognize that it could be worse. And thank God that there are blessings even in brokenness. And in the weakness of our sinful humanity, never forget that the strength to love the unlovable and the unlovely is found in the God of infinite love. Isn't that amazing? So if you go to Revelation of Hope Ministries on YouTube, you can find that there. And I'll show you one last one from Jasper here. So Jasper was filming in the Hobotongo area of Papua, which is on the Indonesian side of Papua New Guinea, I guess. And um, anyway, he they went to go film these jungle schools where they're giving these children an education and what these kids go through just to get to school. And it's pretty amazing. And uh, kind of vlogs his experience and tells their story. So right now this is day two, we're uh, filming these kids here, we're about to film them walking, and then uh, we're going to head out, hop on the plane hopefully if the weather stays good, and uh, fly to some of the village. The plane is coming at 10, so really we only have like 40 minutes to film them. So I found my spot where I could fly my drone, things that we right now. The kids need to cross there and we're letting them wait because we're going to film the activity. Hopefully this will not kill my camera. It takes the children an hour to get to the school. They start walking at just the break of dawn. The hike is uphill to unforgiving terrain. Many children need to be pulled out of bed and stuffed into their private cars. Not here. Every step was a sacrifice. It made me think to myself, how far will you go for knowledge? How far will you go for education? How far will you go to find the truth? some chocolates with us. We decided to give them some chocolates. For some of them, it's their first time to taste them, and the reaction is just priceless. 
schools not all fun and games here in the jungle. As part of their education, these children tend to their gardens. But even though they're working with their hands, you won't see them frown. They saw manual labor as a joy and a privilege, and they understood that they must work in order to eat. No one was complaining. Everyone concentrated on the task at hand. So now we're filming the kids going to the shower. This is where the shower is. Pass through the rivers. School showers are special here in the jungle. But there's no shower room to speak of. Instead, the children wash off their dirt in the cool stream of a waterfall. No one needs to pay the water bill. No one needs to turn out the tap. The missionaries help the children shower, and the children need to shower. Each of them has only one change of school uniform. They use these uniforms every day. They cannot risk them against the elements, so they keep the uniforms safe and locked away. In Obotongo, there's no furnished classrooms. We only have grass floors and no furniture. But the furniture is not important. The spirit of prophecy says that the character and the spirit, that is important. I could see that the children were eager to learn and ready to study. That was what really mattered. It may be sad to think that many of us who sit in furnished, air-conditioned classrooms can still find things to complain about. The joy that these children have is an illustration that those who have less tend to appreciate what they have more. So, we're in a rush because we're catching Gary and we're like 40 minutes away. So we need to run. Like nine minutes. Nine minutes? Let's go. So uh, we're in now to catch our next flight. We're going to head to another village. Day two has been really challenging so far. Wow, I'm really tired. Just landed and we need to walk all the way down going up 30 minutes for a foreigner five minutes for a local <laughs> So we don't have time to do an interview, but um, this is Professor Dimara. His wife was here before and they were doing mission work. The wife ate some fruit. She probably had an allergic reaction to it and she eventually died. Tomorrow will be her first death anniversary. He's here visiting. He wants to finish the work here in Obotongo because he doesn't want he doesn't want the work of his wife in vain. It's a very inspiring man. Yeah. It's time to say goodbye to the people. Uh, it's always hard to say goodbye.
as I wave goodbye to those children, I realized that I had so much, and yet I had so little. These kids taught me a valuable lesson. That is, their joy is not dependent on material things or the conditions of their circumstances. It doesn't matter to them that they must walk miles to reach near a schoolhouse. They are simply grateful for an opportunity to learn. Friends, where does your joy come from? Is it dependent on your circumstances or based in gratefulness to God for each gift He offers? If you're inspired by this video and are willing to help build more jungle schools or to become a missionary teacher in one of the villages, please contact the email in the description below. God bless you and hope to see you in episode 3. So, I met that Andrew kid, the white boy that was with him, last weekend. Um, yeah, so anyway, there's, there's good stuff out there that's inspirational, that's excellently filmed, and uh, more exists than I was able to show you today. But I just want you to be encouraged that there's a large, it's like a new 1040 window for Adventism, right? An unreached people group of sorts. It's called the Internet. And uh, people are doing what they can with what they have. And there's even more that could be done. And if you feel that God is calling you to be a missionary and to document what's happening overseas, do it. Go yesterday. Don't think twice. And if God's calling you into media ministry, it's, it's powerful, it's valuable, and people may not understand why you're doing this. People may not see the value in it. They're going to ask you, you're not going to make any money. How are you going to make anything of your life? If this is where God is calling you, then this is where God is calling you. And go forward knowing that there's people that support you and uh, that it's a work that won't be in vain. So, um, again, if, if you are in that creative category of people, um, I, I'd love to talk to you and get to hear more of your burdens. But uh, are there any other questions about the topic of digital media? Has this been helpful just to kind of see content being made by our brethren? Yeah. right? Not other denominations, but the Adventists are actually getting something done. Um, we're trying to license a fair amount of this content at ARTV to be another place that it's housed in one place. But ARTV is its own standalone platform. It isn't YouTube. It isn't something else. It's kind of like Netflix in the sense that there's exclusivity. It's only found in one place. But you can access it. We call it platform agnostic. It's accessible from anything. Your smartphones, whether it be Android or Apple, if you have Apple TV, if you've got um, Kindle Fire, if you've got Roku... Smart TVs, tablets, um, even Xbox. We have apps that we're designing for every one of those platforms. And you can access it just from your web browser. So, um, and it's free. It doesn't cost anything. So it's a pretty awesome opportunity. One of the best ways for non-Adventists to find out that this exists is for Seventh-day Adventists like you to watch a program on ARTV and share it with them and say, hey, I watched this. It was really great. They did this nature program in Costa Rica. Did you know that toucans have a tongue that looks like a feather, right? Or whatever it may be. And you can share these materials with them, and it brings them into an ecosystem where there's missional content too. Does that make sense? So we at ARTV need you in that regard. We need you. First of all, we'd love to get your feedback on the programming that you see. But two, if you think it's valuable then the people in your sphere of influence, those are the ones that we designed this for. This wasn't for you. ARTV was not designed to be another platform that just entertains Adventists. We want it to be something that wins people outside of Adventism while inspiring those within. Does that make sense? So we need you in that sense. If ARTV is going to be successful, it's going to require people just like you who get the word out. Um, as you can tell, I'm somewhat passionate about this. 
Uh, I've been in media ministry for a while now, and I just I believe it's the new publishing work. I believe it's valuable. Um, are there any other questions about digital media while you have a chance? Okay, so someone asked a question. You asked a question earlier when it comes to um, what things to use as so forth as far as how to kind of keep your children from accessing things that, that aren't good. All of that is helpful to a fair degree, but what's most important is the relationship that you have with your kids. And I'm saying you don't have a good one, but whenever we go to the process of taking things away or saying don't or you can't, it ends up potentially causing the wrong type of reaction than what we intended, and it takes a winsome, tactful approach in implementing these and explaining here's why, and it's for your protection, it's for your good, having an open door of communication. Our, our, our objective is not to shut everything down and to control or to separate. Our goal is to educate to make right decisions regardless of what they encounter, if that makes sense. And none of this is an assumption about you. It's just that this was, this was brought up to me after the fact that I could have said even more in that regard. And so I just wanted to make sure that was clear. And there was an analogy or... Um, Oh, it's in the book Education, I believe, about the topic, or maybe it's Councils to Teachers. But anyway, there's a situation where Ellen White is talking about how we should handle discipline with students. And she says we first need to get them to understand that what has happened is unacceptable and wrong. And then she says, too, that we need to enlist their will in its correction. And that's so important because then they understand and they have buy-in. It's not just something that's being legislated to them. They understand that they have a say in this too. What do you feel would be the best way for you to be protected and have accountability? Does that make sense? So enlisting their will is of great, great benefit. So the topic of self-governance and enlisting their will in this form of discipline is something that we just, for whatever reason, we're trying to enforce spirit of prophecy principles while neglecting other spirit of prophecy principles. And the kids leave and we think, I thought I was following counsel. Well, there's more counsel. (laughs) And I remember when I first read Councils on Diets and Foods, I got a phone call from a church and said, Hey, uh, have you ever preached on health before? I said, No. Well, we want you to preach at our church since health weekend. Would you do it? Sure. And I start reading. And I just, I'm still a new Adventist. I was baptized in December of 2010. So I just assumed that everything I was told, and, and I'm going to explain myself here. So no one leave yet. Let me finish my statement before you make any assumptions. I always assumed that what I was told Ellen White said is what she said. regarding health principles. And so based upon what was implied by the people around me, I thought for sure, she thought that eggs and cheese and milk were like the worst things you could ever put in your body ever, and it would be sin to even consider eating them. Now, I knew her personality well enough to know that she wouldn't talk like that, but that was what was implied to me. But then what I read was something quite different. Now, I, once I read what I read, I was upset, first of all, because I felt like someone had sold me a bad deal of goods, and it wasn't because I wanted to go back to eating animal products. I have no desire to. Um, the point was, what she explains is that those things, the time is not now to remove these things, but a time will come whenever because of the increasing sinfulness of man, there's going to be an increase of disease in animals. Monsanto, anyone? Right? The amount of genetically modified organisms that are being created, let alone the fact that the amount of glyphosate, let me see if I have this note here real quick. One second. I have a statistic for you that will blow your mind. Are you ready? How many pounds of Roundup do you think were used in 1987 in the United States? Just guess. Two times. Nope. 
Well, I don't. How much is a ton? Sorry. <laughs> okay, almost five thousand. I didn't go to college. Now I've been in school for like twelve years. Thirteen. I'm thirty-two. How long ago that was? So five thousand pounds of Roundup were used in the United States in 1987. In 2010, you know how much glyphosate was used? 185 million pounds. And it's not been long enough for them to be able to get all of this information together to do case studies on the effects of glyphosate on the human body. This is a whole other discourse. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to search this. Dr. Timothy Howe. Healthy Soil, Healthy People. H-O-W-E. Dr. Timothy Howe. And the sermon is called Healthy Soil, Healthy People. It's on Audioverse, I think. Do that version of it, the one that's on Audioverse. All of his stuff is super good. So whatever you listen to, you won't, you won't regret it. He's an MD. Um, and man, this guy. Wow. Anyway, he has another sermon called What Are You Spending Your Life On? And he basically, he asked Loma Linda University students and doctors... Are you medical mercenaries or medical missionaries? Whew. Preaching there next week, but I can't say that. He's a doctor with a legit ministry. Anyway, but he has a message called Healthy Soil, Healthy People, and he deals with a lot of these aspects. Really, really well done. Why am I even talking about this? I lost track of the whole reason why I did this. Someone help me. Why did I get on this? Yeah, but Oh, selfishness. Health message. Yes. So anyway, and she says the time will come. We need to discard those things from our diet. I think that time is now. Mm -hmm. The point was the way that it was communicated to me when she actually said we're not the same. And most of the people that I had met who were like die hard, died in the wool, you better get on it or you're, you're toast. Health reformers, what I came to find when I read the end of that book, the last section of Councils on Diets and Foods, is how to share the health message. And I wanted to flip tables. <laughs> Because the very people who are bagging on the church for not following the spirit of prophecy are equally guilty, as far as in keeping the health message, are equally guilty of not following the spirit of prophecy and how they share the health message. You should read what she says. It's scandalous, some of the stuff that she did. Um, in, in an amazing way. I'm, I'm not downplaying the health message at all. Please don't kick me out. Please don't tell everybody I'm a flaming liberal, whatever. Like, no, it's, just read what she says. There was a guy that was her neighbor that was sick. And they brought him healthy food. He wouldn't eat it. So she told Sarah, her assistant, go kill a chicken, make chicken broth for this guy, and bring it to him. She did. She didn't go blast the guy and the principles of health reform. She gave him what she felt that he needed. And you know what happened? He got better. And you know what happened after that? She gave him Bible studies. And you know what happened after that? She offered him a job to come work on her property to provide him a way to provide for his household. But he died before he was able to do that. But he died a commandment keeper, she says. Would that have happened if she took him to town on what he was eating at that stage? No. But did she leave him where she found him? No. No. You don't have to downplay principle to uplift the cross. That's my point. And so anyway, I still don't even understand why I got to that point. But self-governance, the way that people can sometimes use the spirit of prophecy to really stress and push people, we sometimes neglect these principles to try to uplift these principles. What she says about how we share is just as important as to what we share. And that, that whole picture really helps, particularly with child guidance, with doing discipline, and so forth. So, for what it's worth, there's a free uh, discourse that was totally unplanned and 
a random synapse fired and you got it whether you wanted it or not. Mm-hmm. Any last questions about digital media, its importance? Has this been helpful? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Um, the audio is, is nearly useless. I hope they actually keep it at least for the last part. But um, these videos, if you just search Revelation of Hope Ministries on YouTube, Unseen Media Group, UNSC, E&E, Media Group, Little Light Studios, um, ARTVNow.com is the easiest way to access our platform. And there's many other success stories. That's just a few of them. If you do have more questions, you can just email me. I'll write my email address here. Oh, chalk is so painful. Ouch. All right, dee at artvnow.com. That's where you can find more information on... uh, No, it's not. Just kidding. That's my email address. (laughs) Sorry. Muscle memory on website links. Um, Yeah, dee at artvnow.com. So if you have questions about digital media stuff, you have program ideas, you have feedback on programs that you watched, if you want to know about more resources of people who are doing things well in media and Adventism, I'd be happy to share... um, yeah, season two of Lineage Journey is coming out hopefully in the next couple months. And it's Adventist church history, y'all. They filmed in the Northeast, in Michigan, in Australia, New Zealand, in, in Europe. And I'm, I'm excited for it. Really, really awesome project. If there aren't any more questions, we'll pray. I'll set you loose so you can grab your parkas to run in the rain. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray if it could be in your will that the rain would cease for exercise to take place. Uh, but above all, I just thank you for Jesus. I thank you for... Uh, people in Adventism that are taking hold of digital media who value it and are going forward full steam. I pray there's people in this room that you're calling to be digital missionaries, that you would give them the wisdom, the resources, and the help they need. I pray for the parents that are wrestling with how to how to parent their children in a digital world that's just uh, a mess. Guide them, Lord, and give them the tact necessary to do it in a way that's redemptive and winsome and will allow their children to recognize the need to be careful. And above all, I pray that Jesus would come soon, that this world can be warned and welcomed to join a soon-coming Savior. And I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.